one of the cool things about this summer on our podcast is mm-hmm. that we've been able to get to know our staff. We went road trip and then we got to get to know the staff and, and now we're kind of back to normal. But yeah. as we get back to normal, I think it'd be interesting to, to know what you've been listening to this summer. We've mm-hmm. thought about what you've been doing and, and we've uh-huh. heard the conversations you've had, but what have you been listening to? What's a... Uh, a podcast that is really speaking to your soul other than the Gather, Grow, Go podcast. Right, because obviously we're number well, one. Of course, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> iTunes yeah. says so, right? Yeah. Um, yeah. Well, maybe not, yeah. but that's okay. Um, so really, what's speaking to your soul, and, and then what is maybe speaking to your heart or to a passion of yours that that may not fall in the traditional uh, faith journey space, but is okay. a part of who you are? Yeah. Um, I'll take it. Go um, for it. I'm a longtime listener and not even listener anymore. I go to their events and things like that too when they come through town. But uh, the Liturgist podcast has been one for me that is, uh, it's it's mostly the people that they have come through the podcast that they've interviewed and and uh, the things they talk about. They go they go real deep into stuff that I think at the time I started listening to them, I uh, was question like had certain questions and things like that myself and they they just were not afraid to go into those spaces and talk about the the deep stuff and in recently they in particular they interviewed a guy richard Rohr, who's a catholic mm, yeah, priest yeah. Yeah, yeah who is from the franciscan tradition which i've been learning about um but the nerds of the catholic church if yeah, you would yeah and the franciscan and the contemplatives tradition, yeah. yeah yeah they just they follow the we all know the the prayer of St. Francis. So yep. that's, that's the tradition. But, um, yeah, his, they interviewed him like recently, uh, for the second or third time about his new book coming out. And that episode was a recent one that like totally blew my mind. I'm going to have to go. It was a two part episode. Actually, it was like three hours worth of stuff that oh, I'm yeah. going to have to go back and listen to again. Cause he just goes into crazy spaces and, and stuff that I was just really eye-opening and things like that for me. So. You also get like some fun crossover in the Liturgist podcast yeah. with Michael Gunger of the Gunger Band yeah. and yep. all that kind of good Who stuff. Who I've also been following and, for a long sci- time. Uh-huh. And, yeah. and Science Mike, so you have the musician and you've got this scientist who's who's taking yeah. an approach to faith that is both deeply spiritual but also highly rational. And mm-hmm. it, you know, yeah. it makes for a really interesting conversation. It oh, makes yeah. for a no-bars-hold kind of let's go there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there are places that they go that if you read the title of the episode or whatever, may make you nervous <laughs> before you ever get started. Yeah. Um, but some of that's on purpose, right? Yes. Uh, yeah. Their intention is to connect with people to faith who may or, or may not be comfortable in, well, air quote, standard Christianity, right? Yeah. Um, and it's not your standard Christian podcast, but it can speak powerfully to your soul, I think. Mm-hmm. Speaking of not standard Christian podcasts, I think that mine also falls in that category, but in a very different way. My uh, personal um, one that I enjoy listening to and I've gone back to a lot this summer is um, Reports from the Spiritual Frontier. Okay. And so that one is actually, one. yeah. So, I mean, he's kind of on our scale of of podcasting and size and reach and that kind of, he's bigger than us, but that's okay. You know, um, we'll catch him. We'll, we Don't will. Worry. We will. We're number uh, one in Cleveland, I think. Oh yeah. Probably. Oh, yeah. oh definitely. <laughs> number one in Johnson County. Yeah. We'll claim oh, it. Yeah. We'll claim it. Yeah. Um, anyways, but he, um, he interviews, pastors and people who work in ministry who are doing interesting, cutting edge, experimental kinds of Mm, ministry. So, um, you know, me dabbling in the Missional Wisdom Foundation world through living in the Susanna Wesley house. um, Some of those familiar faces from me appear on his podcast and the church hubs in White Rock UMC up in Mm. Dallas and the one they have in North Carolina are featured on it. Um, And then other things like Simple Church which Zach Kersey does, um, who does, and it's a meal-based kind of um, church. And and I just, I enjoy listening to it as someone who is a practitioner in ministry to hear how other people are engaging in unique ways when one in four don't go or claim church anymore, right? Um, Because the one in four church has been around in this format for a long time now and yeah. this format isn't going to catch all the one in force it will some yeah. but these are kinds of ways that are breaking beyond yeah. uh, to meet people where they are and we continue that tradition of jesus of, of meeting people exactly where they are rather yeah. than expecting them to come where we are exactly yeah um the the, fo- the podcast that feeds my soul obviously in addition to us um it 
is the Robcast. I don't know if y'all are familiar okay. with the Robcast, yep. and, and I know that's for in some circles a very stereotypical response. But one of the things that I deeply appreciate about Bell is, is that he's able to take Holy Scripture and sort of exegete the Scripture and the culture at the same time and present stories we've heard a thousand times before in ways that cut deeper and and, and reach more completely uh, than than so many other things. Like he just got done with a seven-hour audio um, commentary on Leviticus. Seven hours? Seven-hour audio commentary on Leviticus. That's about how long Leviticus. it takes to read Leviticus, too. It, 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 it is, yeah. You have to By walk the away. amount of times that you fall asleep or walk away, yeah. <laughs> and, and I have not engaged with that yet, but... Given the way he can engage with so many of those stories where people say, there's no life here, there's no hope here, there's, mm-hmm. um, where's Jesus in this, where is uh, the divine in this? You know, it's just part of that piece of the Old Testament or the New Testament, frankly, where you just kind of go walk, walk, keep flipping through and yeah. find something else. Right. He's able to illuminate um, because he's, a, he's both a scholar of our culture, but also a scholar of the scriptures in a really right. powerful way. Yeah. Um, and find life in the midst mm-hmm. of that. And so it's just really interesting for me. He just had a three-part series on Esther that was oh. very awesome. And enlightening. And, and Esther's not one of those that you don't see the value in. Esther is amazing and oh, awesome yeah. all the time. But just you know, to rob Bell Esther was, was really good to my soul. Um, yeah. And finding just a, a new um, way of approaching that text. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Rob Bell is such a powerful storyteller. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I find myself like when I'm listening to podcasts, just in general, that's one of the things that I look for is the ability to tell stories well. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So one of the ones that I love to listen to um, over and over again, even though the pattern's the same, is lore. If you like kind oh, of creepy old, I, yeah. I listened to that for like when I was first getting into podcasts and okay. I forgot about it. Yeah. So thank you for reminding come, me. Come on back to it. It's still good. It's still happening. And they're so like short too. It's the only like twenty minute episode podcast Uh I've I've ever listened to. Right. So they're just um, it's old kind of weird stories or myth stories or legend stories, but man. The podcast host, he is a powerful storyteller. Mm-hmm. And so he just, he draws you in. And and sometimes when I listen to it in the car, I kind of get home and I'm like, oh, like, how did I drive here? You know, it's one of those <laughs> kinds is, of things because yeah. I was so there. So avoid the path to Melissa's house. That's if right. you live here in Cleaver. Right. <laughs> Which she has walked through on this podcast right. step so by you step. Know you know how to get I there. have. That's uh, right. You can reverse engineer Black how to get. Kia Soul. <laughs> Spaced out driver. Yeah. Watch out. Ouch. No, the uh, um, it was funny. We listened to the rate your driving podcast the other day. You know the okay. the podcast where you know y'all asked Melissa to rate her driving, yep. and, and neither one, neither you nor Wesley had ridden with Melissa anywhere. I have ridden with Melissa somewhere. Oh, oh no, her, her driving skills are a seven. They're fine. Yeah, her navigation skills are like a two. Oh, uh, that's great. Actually, gracious. I experienced Thank that. You. Yeah, I actually yeah. did experience. Or was that Marianne? I don't remember. Somebody, somebody was bad at navigating when we were on mission trip. We, we were driving out of the church parking lot one day trying to get to Henderson and she took a right instead of a left. Um, it happens. It, it does. It does. Um, <laughs> myths and Legends is another Oh, I love Myths and Legends. Mm. Yeah, those two go hand in hand for me. Um, lore is the better overall storyteller to me, but Myths and Legends cover better stories sometimes. Oh, okay. yeah. But the storyteller, he's still getting kind of his reps in, I think. Yeah. Um, but I enjoy them both. He chooses deeply. real specific stuff sometimes too, if I remember correctly. Like it's like a very like specific thing, and that's all he talks about. Here's for this 20 one little yeah. random story from 1820s America about this one family, yeah. right? But one of the things I also enjoy is is that the way that he does it, there's always this like hook that he either sets, like sometimes pastors set a good hook and there's sermons that they'll come back to at the end of the sermon. You're like, Oh, I forgot about that already. Uh, Lore, lore can do that to Mm -hmm. you all the time. Or he'll like bring you back to that thing that he referenced and be like, Oh, you didn't know it was connected to this famous person or this really Mm -hmm. big event that you know about kind of thing. See, I love that is a hallmark of the podcast that I'm listening to right now that is really not faith connected, but it's just really engaged and pulled me in this summer. It's called Revisionist History. Oh, I enjoy that one. Malcolm Gladwell. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, His deal is he finds these little things in history that we think we know the story to and and looks for where is the side angle. 
You know, where is this extra little thing that if you'd really fully understood and knew this, it would completely illuminate in a new way um, the way you see this moment in history or this piece of history. And hmm. and he has just done a, a three-part series on um, the, the practice of casuistry that's pulled from the Jesuits. Okay. Um, and and, and it, it's basically looking at it, it's formed out of this place in our culture today where we have principles that guide our decision making, right? And we, we try to apply this principle to every universal decision, right? And so we mm-hmm. have these, we get in big philosophical or ideological arguments um, over a very individual particular thing because we try to apply the giant framing narrative to every individual circumstance. Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And what what he's advocating for and what he says is present in the Jesuit history uh, is this practice of casuistry where you descend into the particular. Okay. And so your decision-making on controversial issues, on hard topics, on a lot of that stuff is, is grounded in a place that is very unique to that decision. And so you find whatever it is, you find the thing you're trying to make a decision on and go, where are things in the past that are close to this and which is this closest to and how to, instead of trying to apply a big picture, here is my in all times and all places paradigm for making decisions right. and apply it to this thing. He's like, how can you descend into all of the particulars of these individual uh, decisions and moments and, and places in, in time and history? Um, you know, the, the last episode I listened to, um, he interviewed uh, a police investigator. Mm-hmm. Who's he's one of the expert witnesses that gets called in and all police shooting matters and yeah. things like that. And and they dive into um, when they're trying to discern, you know, you know, did a unfortunate shooting happen in, in a way that is um, within the bounds of acceptability or not? And you know all that. And they sort of dive into this uh, and they look at all of the particular things along the way. And so you can kind of have this place where. You know, in this particular story, the the family of the guy who was shot felt like victims, and and yet in the same moment, the police officer who who shot the man yeah. felt like a victim too. And then when you dive into the moment, you gotta have to listen to the podcast. But when you dive into the the whole the totality of it, it feels like both can't be true right. at the same time. Yeah. And yet when you dive into the particularity of that specific incident and moment, it is incredibly clear that both are true Hmm. at the same time Mm -hmm. Um, and that everybody's hurting and everybody's in pain. And, and so it's sort of held up as an example of be careful how you paint with big broad brushes. Yes. We don't like that in the West. We want, we want to be dualistic and like, no, this this person was in the wrong. This person was in the right. That's been one of the fascinating things to watch with like generation shifts and even applying that to our biblical narratives of looking Mm. at, you know, you have two very different kinds of thought processes happening in the old Testament and the New Testament, especially when you dive into the where the Hebrew culture is influential, um, especially like rooted in Israelite tradition, even into the New Testament. But then you have the come in of the Greek mentality and mindset where you get the dualistic nature Mm. and that starts to really influence some of our epistle readings that we get. And so you can watch how even in our scriptures, we have this um, place for both and on the kinds of thinkings. And I think sometimes when, when you see um, those videos that get posted on Facebook of like all millennials are lazy or, you know, here's what's wrong with the younger generations and those kinds of things. I think part of what's happening is that there's a different way of looking at things that kind of gets into mm-hmm. those particularities and um, versus painting with broad brush strokes or thinking in a mindset that's more Hebraic, which I think is more true of some of the younger generations versus <laughs> a mentality that's more rooted in um, Greek philosopher mentality mm. where you get a lot of we want to read Paul we want to read the epistles kind of thinking and some yeah. of our older generations well, I think but there's the, common ground in Jesus because he, yeah. he crosses both of those paths I, I love that you brought us to Jesus because one of the places where this conversation gets specifically lived out in our world and in our life of faith is with the question we wrestled with on Sunday why do people need Jesus and today we're going to dive a little deeper into that question uh, but first, welcome to the Gather, Grow, Go podcast. Mm-hmm. 
I'm Pastor Daniel. I'm Pastor Melissa. And I'm Jess Kiefer. It's been a long time since it's been all three of us to say it. It has. It has. It's been very good. Um, And and we are glad that you are also back with us coming back from summertime. And we we hope and pray Mm -hmm. that, uh, as we have said before, just as you're inviting people to church during this season, you invite people to this conversation as well. Um, because it is our intent that this is one of the places where we're able to meet people um, where they are, whether that's in their living room or driving their kids to dance or working out or mowing the yard or wherever along the way. Mm-hmm. So uh, to our question of the day, yeah, why do people need Jesus? Oh, boy. Man, these like <laughs> questions that we're going to wrestle with over the next three weeks, I really think they're, uh, you know, this is the season school starts for a lot of our students here right. on Wednesday by the time this podcast drops, right? And I think these questions are great. Um, the physical that you have to dread to take your kid to, to go one more thing to get checked off of the to-do list before school starts again. I kind of feel like these questions are kind of like a physical examination for your spiritual life mm-hmm. of of how, how do you answer this question? How do you approach these questions? Um, I think really can give you a checkpoint on where you are starting with why do, why people, do people need, need Jesus? Jesus? Yeah, it's interesting. And and I think at different phases of my life, I would answer this question differently, right? If I examine the last 35 years, different seasons, and some are much more concrete and Mm -hmm. and dualistic and binary, sort of yes and no, black and white, clear as day. And and then there have been others where it's been much muddier, right? Um, I think the muddier would probably be better for us to wrestle with today. Yeah, probably. Uh, (laughs) The... uh, I had a mentor one time, a mentor pastor, who, living in the muddiness, yeah. uh, was prone to say that that he thought of himself as a pretty good Methodist pastor, mm-hmm. right? Um, and, and one of the things we learn in seminary, and we're sort of raised up in seminary, is that our social location matters. And that's just the academic term for saying the community you're raised up in influences you in a powerful way. Right? It does. It, does. Um, it shapes you. It, it You have an embedded theology, an embedded understanding of the way the world works. And, and, and in trying to honor that, this guy would, would say, I think I'm a pretty good Methodist pastor, but but you know, if I was born and raised in, in Jerusalem or Tel Aviv, I might be a pretty good rabbi today. Or, or if I was born and raised in Saudi Arabia, I'd probably be a pretty good imam along the way. Mm-hmm. And at different seasons in my life, I had, you know, I, when he said that, I didn't blink at it. I was like, that's entirely possible, right? And, and there have been a couple of seasons in my life where I may have actually repeated that uh, about myself along the way. Um, but as I sit with it today and wrestle with it in the muddiness, yeah, um, I, I'm struck that I deeply want to honor and respect my Muslim and Jewish brothers and sisters, right? And, and have a deep yeah. appreciation for their faith. Um, and, and so I don't want any of this to sound as a, dismi- a diminishment on them. Um, but I feel like if we, if we live in that statement, we diminish the particularity of Jesus, right? The, right. the specificness of Jesus and that, that Jesus, for a lot of reasons, in a lot of ways, was a unique expression of God at work in this world. And we diminish the capacity of the Holy Spirit to be alive and at work in us outside of our social location. Because, yes, our social location is powerful, but so is the Holy Spirit. So, You know, one of the things that I think seminary also taught me was, um, and maybe also, maybe I shouldn't say seminary. Maybe it was more of actually just the practice of working in ministry mm-hmm. has taught me is um, I don't know everything. Yeah. And for me, it is, there is such... Oh, I can relieve, like, I can just, like, sigh a breath of relief in the fact that I don't know everything, especially Mm -hmm. when it comes to God. And so when I come to these issues of of how do I create space and love and grace for the various cultures and expressions of religion in the world— I trust in who our God is and that I don't have all the answers, but that God's love is— bigger than Mm. my understanding of love but there's also so you know what you kind of shared makes me think of a seminary story as well and so I can remember uh, 
Dr. Theo Walker, okay. Dr. Yeah. Theodore Walker, um, incredible uh, professor, hard class. He believes in grade inflation, so he would tell you that a C is average, and everyone just oh, like the moment you start that. But I only served on a committee with Dr. Walker. I didn't actually have him for class, but. <laughs> Uh, I, I managed to get an A, and people got really upset. <laughs> uh, but I also memorized one of the biblical passages he made us memorize in Greek, so I feel like I kind of cheated. Yeah, okay. <laughs> so, but to the to the story, right? So you have to imagine this man. He is five foot nothing, yep. African American with dreads that hang to the ground. And rides a bike in to SMU Perkins every day. In Highland Park. In Highland Park. This man knows who he is. (laughs) Good way to put it. And he walks into class. And there's a desk at the front of the class for, you know, teachers never sit behind it, but I guess they could. And, And he sets his little tote bag down. And then he comes to the front of the desk and he just leans back on it, still standing, and, you know, puts his arm on either side to kind of rest on it. And he looks out at the class and he said, well, did you see the news article that came out today? We all kind of looked around thinking, did we miss something major? He said, did you see the news article? And he said, did you not see that all the news places are breaking, that the bones have been found in the bottom of the Vatican, in the basements of the Vatican, the bones of Jesus Christ were found. And the class began to murmur. And we began to talk to one another and and think, what do we do with this information? And that's when he made it clear that no news article had come out. But the conversation we were having was important because what if one day the bones are found of Jesus Christ? And so here's where it, yeah. where it comes from me. And I don't want to end the story because I want us to have permission to go into conversation on this piece of the story. But my initial gut reaction was, okay, so what? This doesn't throw my moral compass out the window. Like I wasn't ready to go le- live a hedonistic lifestyle, <laughs> right? Like, and now I'm, I'm pagan, right? Yeah. Yes. Like, but I wonder, you know, if if that was news broken to you, hmm. what 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 would happen? What would be going through your mind? What would your murmurings be? It's interesting the the both the incarnation. What news source? Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> both, both, Sorry. both the incarnation, right, and in the affirmation that, as John one says, right, the Word became flesh and dwelled among us. That yeah. this this God Man mm-hmm. showed up, and, and and in a real way, lived life on Earth in, in a way similar. I mean, in the first century, to the way normal people did, right? Yeah. The, the mystery of the incarnation and the mystery of resurrection, which is where we're hitting at with right. bones of Jesus, right? Yep. Did he bodily ascend to heaven, yeah. right? Um, and, and Christians have been debating and arguing and wrestling for 2,000 years Absolutely. about this. Um, for me, the, the mystery of both of those is one that I'm very ready to fall into mm-hmm. and, and trust that God is big enough to be transforming the world with a bodily resurrected Christ and trust that God is big enough to transform the world with a spiritually resurrected Christ. Yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah. Um, Marcus Borg was uh-huh. helpful for me in yeah. this. Um, and one of the things that, that he is known to say is that the resurrected Christ was experienced over and over and over again. Right. And, and it's that he was experienced that matters not the particularity of, you know, could you stick your hand in the wound or not? Does that make mm-hmm. sense? Yeah. And, and for me, there's enough of my brain is only this big. <laughs> and the mystery of God is so much bigger than that, that I am very much willing to trust with my whole being hmm. that the resurrected Christ has been experienced over and over and over again. Yeah. Um, without 
an abundance of concern mm-hmm. for bones that may or may not exist in the Vatican or anywhere else, yeah. for that matter. Does that make sense? Yeah. yeah. Um, you know, there's a Rob Bell quote. <laughs> no, oh, okay. you, you're headed back to Rob Bell, but he, I think it's at the beginning of, I don't remember which book it's at the beginning of, but he starts with, he's referring to Genesis 1, and he was like, you know, people get so caught up in this, did this happen, did it happen this way, the creation story, all, all this kind of stuff, that's such a, can seem like it's such a big conversation sometime, and he said, he said, I think the important thing is not that it happened, or not whether or not it happened, but that it happens Every day, referring to mainly the Adam and Eve story is as like this, regardless of whether or not this was a historical event or not, we can talk about that all day. This happens to me every day. Like I'm, I, I am the Adam we serve and Eve a God story. who is creating, who created right. and is creating, right? Right, the, right. That God is alive and at work. Right. So the mystery, the whole, and even to bring it back to what we were talking about a second ago, like the, the being able to live in the mystery in the middle of the tension and not have to figure everything out, I think yeah. is kind of inherent really to discipleship anyway is that's just a, a main piece of we're not we're not gonna figure it all out and mm-hmm. i think that's why jesus smacked us with just such a simple little this is the most important thing is to go love like when he was asked mm-hmm. about yeah is because he's like you're you're not gonna figure all this out just go do this you this one little thing to go love is is gonna be enough for your entire life to try and figure out how to do um, One so. of the things I love, Kiefer, that you just referenced is over and over again when we look at the stories of Jesus and people ask him questions, and, and mm-hmm. we looked at this back in Luke, yeah. right, mm-hmm. um, in what would Jesus do? Uh People ask Jesus questions over and over and over again, and one of his primary ways of responding was to tell stories, right, or to ask them a question in response and sort of invite them, instead of to a concrete answer, further into the mystery, yes. right, to, to give yeah. them more to think about and to wrestle with. And yet, in that one moment, when people ask, what is the most important? There are no stories. There are no additional questions. There's clarity. So the one thing about which we have clarity is to love God with everything we have and love our neighbor as we love ourselves. The rest, we're invited to fall deeper into the mystery. Right. That is pretty cool. I love that. You know, so that question stuck with me that moment in class stuck with me for like probably the rest of that semester I don't remember exactly how long it went but it was one of those things that stirred in my soul and wouldn't leave me alone of of what if what if this Mm. was found yeah and I think for me I hit I came to this deeper point and realization right which was simply this that for me if Jesus wasn't resurrected, right, that it wouldn't make me throw a moral compass out the window, but I wouldn't be a Christian anymore. Hmm. Because for me, it is about following that Christ, right? It is about following Jesus in the fullness of what he did. So for me, I realized that this is where I am. And I have peace about that. Um, And so it doesn't make me want to wrestle other people and, you know, manhandle them into my way of thinking, right? I think there's a beauty in the breadth of expression that we can have in Christianity. But it did give me a clear marker for and this is yeah. who I am, right? Like I could I could walk into class as Theo Walker and know that this is Melissa Turkett now. Yeah. And I absolutely love that. Well, and I think it when we can wrestle, I mean, sometimes when we talk about falling into the mystery and wrestling with, with hard questions and, and it can make us anxious. It makes us nervous. It, it we want to get it right. Mm-hmm. Right. And, and and it can feel threatening to the faith that we've had for our mm-hmm. whole life. It can feel threatening to the the faith that we hold right now, but it helps us get greater clarity so that you can answer the question, maybe not why do people need Jesus more fully, but you can better offer your witness as to why do I need Jesus? Yes. Yeah. Um, and so that's, that's part of why we're inviting everyone to, to engage in this conversation and why I challenged everybody on Sunday morning not to try to find the answer to why do people need Jesus, mm-hmm. but to know why you need Jesus. Because mm-hmm. if you know why you need Jesus, then you can talk to somebody in a way that is true and faithful and real and not judgmental. 
We had the same same challenge and invitation in the vine. Yeah. Mm-hmm. As someone who worked at campus ministry for seven years, the willingness to go into the muddy without mm-hmm. anxiety um, is something our students need before they get to college. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. Because that was something that these were the kinds of questions I had all the time. Even if for some students they went back to or came to um, a black and white understanding. Or for some of them, it was a wide spectrum of gray. And for others, it was a small sliver of gray. Um, and regardless, the the point for me wasn't to shape what that looked like at the end of, of who that student was and is and how they relate to God. But the important thing to me was to make sure that that Jesus was still important to them and that they didn't mm. just let go of Jesus and that belief in Jesus. Because if we're not willing to have those conversations with one another, then um, other people will. Sure. And yeah. and in that... Or people will have them with their head. Yes. Right? And, yeah. and in our own internal dialogue, if you've witnessed anything in your life, you've probably witnessed your own internal dialogue taking you down rabbit trails that are much more painful and oh, yeah. heartache-filled and That's negative. Right. Tell me about it. Uh, <laughs> than any reality you've experienced. I think that's the danger of the what-if game. I've always, as a, I enjoy rational, you know, to, oh, what if this was the, so I, I probably would have enjoyed your professor's, you know, comment and, and that, and that uh, opening class. But also recently I've been learning that I'm actually those are very dangerous to me because I live very much in the future at all times. Mm-hmm. And I'm, it's, it's a struggle for me to really be present in the current moment. And so my experience with why Jesus recently has been more of, instead of trying to answer everyone's questions about why they need Jesus and even why I need Jesus. Well, I, I do, I have been trying to answer why I need Jesus today, right now. Like yeah. what, it, what is he, what am I getting from the Christ? Like what, what, what am I lacking and what gaps is, is Christ filling in? And that's been, more of the question for me <laughs> lately rather than the, you know, what if, if Jesus wasn't a part of this thing, what would that change? It's just been, you know, Jesus, uh, there's a great Nick Fury quote from, <laughs> from, the, from the first Avengers movie. That's an Avengers. Yeah, oh, okay. yeah, okay. yeah, yeah. He put the Avengers together. It, so it, is uh, this trash or not? This or is not. It's a good quote and okay. I will, I'll say it and move on. But it's a, uh, he says, until such a time as the world ends, we will, uh, we will, Act as if it intends to spin on is the is the quote, and so it's the mm. whole like we can talk about like oh no if this happens then this will happen and then the world's gonna go crazy. And but he's like look, this is this is where we're at right now. This is what we can do. Let's move forward. And that's kind of I guess how I've been operating with Jesus like lately is like right now here's a th- I I don't love people well. <laughs> I I, mm. I could love everyone better. And how do I do that? And I and that's that's where that's the very simple space that I've been operating in with Jesus lately. Hmm. Well, I think Jesus. I think the beauty of that is Jesus meets us in our particular places, right? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, as I gave witness to yesterday, the the struggle with Jesus this week for me is how am I both child and grandchild and nephew and 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 father and husband to my family while also pastoring them through grief yeah. that we didn't really think would come. You know, the joy of having somebody live to 106 in, mm-hmm. in 95 hundredths, right? She was 10 days from her 107th birthday party, um, was that you'd never think they're going to die, Did right? They, they every time we think Gladys was going to die, she just decided not to die, and she kept going and kept plugging. and. And when the next person in your family system who's supposed to die, air quotes, never dies, you don't have to face the specter of death of the people you love because the one who's supposed to isn't going to do it. And so, and yet now in her death, we grieve her death, but also the realization that my grandmother, who's 94, is 94 and and already doing way better than the average. And and, and everybody else in the family system who's got health-related troubles that make... Um, mortality much more present and real. Does that make sense? Um, And and so Christ is present and and meets me in that space um, by inviting me onto that troubled water, but also Mm -hmm. knowing that I'm not invited there all by myself, right? Um, And and so, but whether it's it's loving people exactly the way they are um, for who they are, even if they make us nuts, Right, mm-hmm. um, 
or for taking on a new kind of role within your family dynamic and system, right? We, we're a family full of lawyers and preachers, and so I didn't ever think I'd have to be the official preacher for the family, but I have inhabited that space now. Yeah. Um, right. One day we'll give that job to Chloe, and so that'll be good. Um, That's awesome. But she's four right now, and she's not quite ready for it. Um, oh. She's got lots of interesting questions about death right now, but... Um, really? That's oh man. Is that early? I don't. I'm not a parent. <laughs> I, I, I Abby may have had the same questions, but she didn't. I mean, she keeps a lot of her stuff to herself, uh-huh. right? Yeah. She's my introverted child, and Chloe's my external processor. And so, we we drove back from Waco about an hour and a half um, on Saturday, coming back, and the whole drive. We had questions about the casket and questions about whether Aunt Gladys was hot in there and <laughs> questions about whether she could still breathe. and question, I mean, just like question after question after question after question after question. And I'm like, you know, that challenged me as a parent in terms uh, of how do I communicate yeah. Yeah. to a four-year-old in, in, in ways that we don't have to reprogram later, right? Right. Um, yep. But at the same time, that actually means something, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, yeah. mm-hmm. um, and, and the concept of a spirit and a soul uh, with a four-year-old is one that's a little, they're, they're in a very concrete black and white kind of phase of life, right? Yeah. Developmentally, it just makes sense. Um, but the idea that her body is here, but her soul is somewhere else and, you know, how all that works and when, when that we're here and we're not here kind of, kind of a thing is, yeah. that's, it's a little hard for, I can see that for yeah. a four-year-old. Yeah. But okay. yet in the face of that, Christ is there. Yeah. Um, so I feel like we have, dug the muddied waters today mm-hmm. but i wonder if we could each take a crack because i think we've done a good job of answering why we need jesus individually mm-hmm. yeah. and our whether it was our sermons or Kiefer you shared here but can we answer why do people need jesus mm-hmm. i feel like in, in in lots of military endeavors they they go around the table and then the senior officer has to go last um, oh, okay right. and, and so, i'll start as um, the uh, I'll, yeah. I'll do the nice underhanded toss i asked the question so it'd be weird for me to jump in first so right. i'm sorry we've just you know you know i've christ has have you ever seen those crosses that they were really big. I think they were bigger in the '90s. I think I was a kid in the '90s, but uh, the where they have like were all you the a kid in the '90s, or were you I not was really... an infant in the '90s? Oh. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, when we hired Kiefer, I realized that I was old. Oh no, oh. no, no, no! We're all uh, we're all the same in God's eyes. <laughs> we're all children. So in the early 2000s, no, so, I'm just kidding. So, but the what I'm referencing is the they, it's like these crosses, and they have all the different names that Jesus yes, has been called. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So I kind of mark these seasons in my life of like I'll take on one of those names, like one of those names will stand out for mm-hmm. a time, and I really spend time like thinking about Jesus as this or this or this or this because he's kind of like turning the diamond is my Christ phrase where you, incarnation right, or, you see yeah. him from all these different angles and you get a new piece of what Christ is and the recent one for me has been the great includer and I won't super dive into that one right now but basically the idea of as Christ and Jesus being the great includer how do I like go out and uh I, I cannot like what I just said. I I cannot love everyone perfectly, and I can't love everyone well. And if I'm being more honest, I can't. I don't want to most of the time mm-hmm. love everyone. That's the mm-hmm. that's the other like. Ugh, I wish I yeah. did, but I, you know, that's that's what I'm spending my life getting over, and that's what Jesus is helping. And I think that the whole world. I mean, when I when I became an adult, my my very first experience really with the real world that I am going to tangibly remember forever is the 2016 election. Like that was when I like came into college and like noticed that everyone was like angry about everything all the time. That was like the dialogue was constantly people just kind of like yelling at each other a lot. And so whenever I think about Jesus um, being this great includer and this great, like I'm going to approach you where you are and not expect something from you, not try to convince you of something from you, but I'm just going to approach you at the well and be where you are. And all the, all those situations that Daniel mentioned on Sunday in his sermon, I think about how desperately the world needs that like yeah. everyone mm. needs to be more kind like every I, I just can't like if if the world was going to be lacking something in a few words right now like to me it just is kindness it's inclusion it's 
going out and and not just having what you're going to say prepared or what you know and what you're just trying to convince the world of prepared but that we're all just kind of there's not a we're all in this together mentality anymore Mm -hmm. it's like i figured this out and i'm gonna you know present present this way of life to you and if you don't get on board then you're not worth my time kind of a mentality and i don't uh I didn't like that when I became an adult. I had a much different, because of growing up in the church world and seeing so many great people as a kid, I had a much different uh, expectation, I think, for what the world was going to be like because there were just so many Christians and stuff. So I just mm-hmm. thought that was going to be what it was. But, uh, you know, it's, it's, uh, the world isn't like that yet. So I just think that everyone could use a little bit more Christ and, and Jesus. So yeah, that's my crack at that. I think the the impulse, if Christ is the great includer, right? Is that the that's the spirit that you're encountering in this moment? We need Jesus because in us is a great excluder, whether we want to name it or not. <laughs> yeah. Um, because we hear the call to love, and yet there are many days when we're happy to love this segment of people, right? right. Uh, your people, um, but we may not even. It's not that we. Uh, just aren't loving everyone so we've actively said yeah i really don't want to and uh amen thank you yeah i you know um i've been with my walk with christ more recently over this past year has been more and more returning to the biblical narrative of of Mm. christ that we find in matthew mark luke and john and I think for me, this is this has been the journey for a while, and it's just been a coming, kind of returning to this again, um, is that the closer that I follow Christ, the richer my life gets. Mm. Um, and I think for me, what I've come to realize out of that is, is that um, why do people need Jesus is that especially, I, okay, so I'm going to, put a segment of the world around this. Um, In America, we need Jesus because our lives can be filled with such little distractions that we can wake up one day and it'll be our last day. And we can realize that our life was filled with a lot of emptiness. Mm -hmm. Um, A lot of likes that mean nothing now. A lot of um, time spent in front of TV that we can't get back. Um, A lot of time spent mindlessly scrolling or mindlessly engaging things that aren't going to do anything for our souls or for the world. Um, So for me, why do people need Jesus is because Jesus had such intention in life, whether it was with people or the way that he even traveled, right? Like he, he broke boundaries in the way that he traveled or the way that he engaged with audiences or groups of people or the ways he even pulled away to be by himself. So for me, when I follow Christ, um, I, I find more intention in life. And when I live a life of more intention, I find that my life is more abundant. It's Mm. more rich. And so why do people in America need Jesus? People in America need Jesus because nobody wants to wake up on their last day on this earth and realize that this was it. Mm. When we were put here for such a greater purpose. We're chasing the wrong kind of abundant life. Yeah, Mm. yeah. Because sometimes that even comes in, right? There's there's a song I love by Judah and the Lion. Um, and is it Christian adjacent? It or? is Christian, okay. adjacent. Christian adjacent. Hashtag blog shout out. <laughs> um, and uh, it's called Rich Kids. And mm. the song, the lyrics go that um, we're rich, but we ain't got no money. Yeah, we're rich, mm. but we ain't got no money. Awesome. And it talks about, you know, we're rich because... Um, we've lived a life and we've been present in this life. And Mm -hmm. then the verses are all about, you know, you spent your life um, making all your money and now you're old, but all that you're wanting is your friends and your family that you've abandoned. Mm -hmm. So it's just that call to say, you can be rich right now. Right. And so for Jesus, you can have a rich life right Mm -hmm. now. Amen. Amen. When I try to wrestle with the question, why do people need Jesus? I can't help 
but over and over again see in, in a myriad of ways and examples and, and pictures the pain and brokenness that surrounds us. Mm-hmm. Um, the internal pain and brokenness, Kiefer, you mentioned this, it, there is pain and brokenness behind our impulse to go to our corners and lob bombs mm-hmm. verbally at each other. There is pain and brokenness in our impulse to rather have an argument than a conversation. But there's also pain and brokenness in the number of people around the world, parents and young people, who don't simply have enough food to eat. You know, we talked earlier about trying to have hard conversations with a four-year-old around death and things, and and yeah, that was challenging, but I can't imagine looking that same four-year-old in the eye and saying, I'm sorry, I don't have enough food, and I know your stomach is hungry, and you're bloated and distended. I mean, it. I can't imagine. There's pain and brokenness in all segments, mm-hmm. in all corners, in all places of our life, in our physical life, in our spiritual life, in our emotional life, in our relational life. And Christ gives to us in the incarnate Christ, right? The Christ who bore our likeness. The word became flesh and moved into the neighborhood, as the message likes to say. There is a response from God in Christ to every piece of that brokenness. A response to our relational brokenness, a response to our physical brokenness, a response to our anger and our frustration and our just bitterness at things. And, and, And Christ, and in Christ, we see not only an example, but an offer of redemption that says, yeah, things aren't exactly how they should be. But it doesn't always have to be that way. Um, I think one of the disservices we do within the church over and over again is talk about the 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 reward of faith or the impact of faith being in the life to come, in the life eternal. And, and sure, yeah, uh, you know, we have talked very clearly about how I stared into the face of death this weekend with yeah. people that I love, and it is an incredible gift to know that death has lost its sting and that life is one and yet if that's all Jesus is about we got a whole lot of nothing between now and then you know and what I see in Jesus and what I see in the Christ and what I have experienced in Jesus is that there is hope there is rehabilitation there is redemption and resurrection not just for the life to come but in every one of those places of brokenness right here and right now and so people need jesus for the life to come sure but they need jesus for those moments of brokenness and pain and heartache right here today My, I think I've realized my favorite John Wesley quote is uh, the one that says, today is the day of your salvation. Mm. Eternity begins today. Mm. Yeah. And, and when we remember that, then we, then we stop looking past everything Jesus did in his life and just look at Easter, right? The yeah. Easter stories, because all of it has meaning. Yeah. For why do people need Following Jesus? Following Jesus is not a get out of hell free card. No. Right, that we just hold in our wallet till we need it and turn it in. Right. Yeah. <laughs> it's a life. It's, it's a, a life that we can spend an entire yeah. life looking at name after name. It's a life that we can spend um, living a life of intention. It's a life that we can live um, and and be able to have hope um, mm-hmm. and and not just hope that we we say hey we have hope but it's hope that can come alive through the actions that we're called to do um to care for the four-year-old that's hungry yeah amen 
joining us today on the Gather, Grow, Go podcast. I'm Pastor Daniel. I'm Pastor Melissa. And I'm Jess Kiefer. Uh, we just want to say thank you for everybody that has subscribed to this podcast and that listens to this podcast regularly. It really does mean so much to us to see all of our listeners and a lot of our congregation listening to this podcast. Um, and we would like to ask you to go a bit further, too. If you do like this podcast or even if you don't like this podcast, leave a review for us. Um, that's actually the, the best way um, we can get found by more people to get to reach out to more people is, is if you leave reviews um, uh, for us, if you if you like us, if you share us, um, leaving a review is is really really helpful for us. And so again, just thank you for listening, and and, and we hope to see some some reviews. And, and today, for your moment to grow, I'm going to ask you a simple question. It's the question I asked you Sunday morning. Is the question I'm going to ask you again in these weeks to come. Uh, I hope we have helped you uh, begin your thought conversation today. But I'm going to ask you, why do you need Jesus? Spend time, spend intention wrestling with that question. Know that it's okay if you're in a season of life where the answer is clear as day, black and white, just shining vividly before your eyes. You pass your physical exam with flying colors. Yes. Um, Know that it's okay if things are as gray and muddy as you've ever thought they could be. And maybe even more so. Mm. In either space, Christ is with you. In either space, Christ is faithful. In either space, you need Jesus. So ask yourself the question this week. Why do you need Jesus? And now go, receive this benediction that's meant to be lived out this week. May you go seeing that empty cross that you can fill in with all the words of Christ of who Jesus is to you. Jesus blesses you. As you go this week, may you see the day-to-day mundane activities of your life as an invitation from Christ to live deeply. Jesus blesses you. And may you go seeing the person hungry, the, the person who is struggling to get footing financial assistance, the person who just needs a good word of sage advice. Jesus blesses you, and Jesus blesses them. May you go in peace this week. Amen. Amen. Amen.